2: Welcome to the New Books Network.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Academic Life, a podcast channel here on New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Christina Gessler, and today we're joined by Kate Stewart, who's going to talk to us about her new article called In Support of the Junk Drawer CB. Welcome to the show, Kate.
1: Thank you. Good to see you.
0: I am so glad you're here, and you're going to explain to us what a junk drawer CV is and why we (laughs) might want to have one. But before we dive into that, will you please tell us about yourself?
1: Sure. So my name is Kate Stewart. I am the um, Associate Director in the Office of Career Development, ASPIRE Program in Biomedical Research, Education, and Training within the Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. So that extremely long title means... I help biomedical science PhDs and postdocs at Vanderbilt who are affiliated with both the university and the the, uh, medical center with their career pursuits, whether that is career exploration or their job search skills or just skill development in general. So that's my role. I've been there for about 10 years and I love PhD trainees very much. And you are also the host of a podcast. Oh, yes, I am. Um, So our podcast is um, called the Vanderbilt University Beyond the Lab. And I take some time to each season interview anywhere between 15 to 20 uh, biomedical science alumni who are in interesting jobs and do different things. I, I guess I shouldn't say interesting. I think most people have fun jobs. But um, we asked them about what they actually do during the day. You know, if you say, oh, I'm, you know, I work in pharma or I work in industry, but what does that mean? What does that look like during the day? Uh, And then um, I asked them some things that they wish that perhaps they had done when they were training for their PhD or um, what advice they would have for current trainees or any fun or funny stories about an interview process. Um, it's kind of fun to hear what alumni have to talk about and reflect upon. And a lot of that was was some of the motivation for the the junk drawer article, which I'm sure you'll ask about me. So I think that um having that experience, we're now in season six and it's a great um, a great little podcast to just sort of listen to. It's it's kind of short. So it's maybe 20, 30 minutes at the most with each with each alum. And, uh, it's really nice. I enjoy, enjoy very much talking to the the alumni here that we have. So. so, yeah.
0: Are there any common themes that emerge from when they, when you ask them what they wish they knew when they were
1: students? Oh, that's a good question. I think some of the, um, some of the themes that I've seen is to, um, not forget that you're living life in your PhD. Uh, a lot of them want to encourage, um, Current trainees that that they should still do the things that they enjoy, their hobbies, um, you know, go to their extracurricular activity, you know, continue that frisbee um, club team that they were on when they were in an undergrad, or um, to continue doing the things that they enjoy while still doing the PhD, and that just because you have a PhD doesn't mean that you should lose the other aspects of. Um, what you like to do and who you are. And so that's one of the bigger common themes. And then the other is a, is a networking piece, which I think is kind of neat is, you know, don't forget that the people that you are training with in about 10 years are going to have really interesting roles and jobs and be at all different places across the country. And so you may be thinking of networking in a way that's kind of sticky cocktail party kind of networking, but really a lot of the great networking is with the people that you're in the trenches with in your PhD at the time. So that that's a a common um, refrain as well, which is a very encouraging uh, refrain, I think, for someone in the middle of their PhD.
0: And both of those uh, themes apply outside the sciences. As a person with a background in humanities, those two pieces of wisdom make complete sense to
1: me. (laughs) Good.
0: Good. Um. Do they share a common theme about what surprised them in the work world when they transition from being a student for however many years, most of us are students, to um, <laughs> starting their job? Is there a common theme of culture shock or surprise that they that they come across?
1: I think a lot of times they don't realize that whatever job they end up going into, you know, there's so many directions that a PhD can take you in whatever discipline you're in. But I think it's kind of fun that they don't realize how much they were trained within the PhD for the jobs that they're in. Um, you know, they'll, they'll definitely encourage based on whatever sector or field they pursue that there is, you know, extra training you could get or, you know, what you should try this or, you know, try this. But a lot of times a common refrain is um, the PhD really prepared me for, and then they list off, you know, all the things that. You would not expect for so many of the biomedical science PhD population, they're not pursuing the normal faculty track. They're pursuing something different, and so to see that even their time in academia is fruitful to the non-academic role that they chose is reassuring. I think for someone pursuing a PhD and not interested in staying in academia, um, so that's kind of a nice, uh, nice theme that continues, which I really like to hear too.
0: We're going to dive into the junk drawer CV in a, in a minute or two and find out what it is. But I have one more question, which is, um, as you're interviewing these alum and you've had six seasons, whose jobs surprised them the most? Uh, maybe you have to keep some confidentiality, but it seems <laughs> that PhDs often go out to do jobs that they didn't expect that they would. And the more we can normalize that... I think the more reassuring it is for current graduate students, people who might want to become one or loved ones of who are saying, well, if you went to school, why are you doing that? (laughs) Um, Did anybody or even a handful of people end up with jobs that really surprised them, but they are
1: glad they're there? Oh, absolutely. I think um, there's so many, so many people who go into really interesting jobs and that was not at all their intent when they started. And I I don't even know if that's, very specific to a, a very um, unique career sector. I think sometimes they find that they have jumped along in a path that is um, is very you know stops and starts and it moves you know laterally and then and then upwards and and it's just they just never expected that to occur, um, but. Uh, but I, I think most of the time, they're very pleased with with how things have landed. And I think a lot of times they're so pleased that they have that PhD background for what they're doing currently. Um, I, I don't talk to many people who have a regret of having that training because it's such a great critical thinking training. And you can use that so, um, so well in many different directions. Furthermore, you know, the the PhD truly does lend to a leadership role. And that, that doesn't always look like what you think it's going to look like, but it'll, you know, whether it's the leader of a classroom or the leader of um, a group of other medical science liaisons or a leader of a group of writers, um, it really does lend to that, um, especially in the lab environment. And so that's something that I see commonly, and and that often does come as a surprise that they are this manager or leader of a group that they did they just didn't expect that was going to be the way that it would go. So I kind of I kind of think that's a kind of a fun result sometimes of looking back
0: school can often bring about something called imposter phenomenon or imposter syndrome. Have any of your guests uh, shared surprise that they're much better problem solvers than they thought they were, that when they got into the real world and they were trying things that they're, Oh wow, I know how to do things or I have actual confidence that I can solve problems where I wasn't. When I was in school, I was kind of worried all the time that I
1: couldn't solve problems. Oh, absolutely. And I think too, you know, it really depends. It, it doesn't come immediately. Sometimes that, that feeling that I'm not an imposter, but it, it does, um, it does show up in fun ways. And I think it's, uh, it, it, it just feels good to be able to know your stuff and to be in a job and, and really feel that. And so sometimes it comes a lot longer, but I, I, I know that imposter syndrome can, can pop up at, at any range age. Um, so I, um, I know that it's not something that necessarily goes away, um, all the time, but I do think that once you finish that PhD, it, um, it feels a lot better knowing that, no, actually you do know that stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it does pop up still occasionally though.
0: And the jump drawer our CVs is a way of helping us start to look at, what our skills are, what our values are, what our hobbies are, what we've really been doing with our time in a way that the traditional CV or the traditional resume doesn't. Would you like to break down the difference between those three types of um, career lists that we
1: create? Absolutely. And let me give you some some context a little bit with, with why this came about. So um, – I have spent 10 years in the biomedical science PhD career coaching world. And I previously worked uh, with undergraduates in sort of a career engagement social setting. And so I was connecting undergraduates initially to alumni with the guise of, you know, you have this commonality with your career interest. Um, and as someone who, you know, was an alum of the Vanderbilt program, I loved being able to connect people. In those connections where um, you have this common interest, and you're meeting someone who is working within that common interest, and that was that was really um, really fulfilling to to put those together. So when I started working with biomedical science PhD students and postdocs, it was very interesting how um, there was a lot of focus on training, and there were many times where there would be things that um, when I would be sitting down with a trainee to go over their resume or their CV, they would be forgetting those past experiences because they were putting together some documents, say they were putting together a resume and they needed it to be more succinct and they were forgetting some of that. So I will tell you the three kind of, we use these documents to sort of focus um, based on what your end result is. So There's an academic CV, which is very, um, I I like to call it, it's every item in your pantry. It's everything, every, just a list of items. It's the spices, it's the meats, it's the weird, strange flour that you bought one time at at an interesting store. I mean, it's just the big list, but there's really nothing else about it. It's just a big list and it's a timeline. Um, An academic CV is in, chronological order and so uh, it's just a boring old list. A resume on the other hand, especially if there's a industry resume is sometimes what we call it when we have PhD students who are pursuing something that are not on the academic track and they want to use a resume rather than a CV. A resume is a more succinct document that focuses on the work that you want to show that you've done so that you can make that direct connection to the the job that you want to apply for. So oftentimes that resume is going to look like uh it's gonna have those those knowledge skills that you need, right, to complete the job, whether that's a specific degree or maybe it's a technique or a instrumentation that you used or type of research skill that you've had that you want to make sure that they know about. Um, it's also going to, also gonna show Uh, your transferable skills. So maybe you don't have that exact match for the job that you're applying for. But you know that um, if you've done this here at this current role, then you could perhaps do it at the future role. You know, maybe you presented at lab meeting and you are able to sort of lead lab meeting or present your results there, well, you probably could present your results um, to a group of stakeholders at an industry setting or situation. And so that's the transferable skills that you kind of have to translate and say, no, I can do this because, because I can do that. So in a resume, you know, you're really sort of laying out, these are my accomplishments, and they're a direct fit for what you're looking for. But when I was sitting down with some students sort of working through some of those, um, those documents, I, um, I realized that I was telling them sort of to clean up some things or to, you know, take some things out or make it more succinct. And I realized they were with that document losing things. Um, I would put that in quotes. I, I, I wish you could see me. I'm putting air quotes in the, in the air when I'm, I'm saying that, but they would lose things. They would kind of forget, By making this document, they were taking some things off that weren't exactly applying to the current job or that job that they were currently applying for. And I I was like, gosh, you know, it really does feel like there's got to be some middle document that is somewhere in like a CV because a CV is that big list. But, you know, the resume also is just losing some things, a resume, you know, if the CV is the the pantry of the list of items of, of things that is all the things you have in that pantry, a resume is really only the things that you need for a specific meal. Now it can be a very big meal. It could be something like Thanksgiving and you need lots of those ingredients to create Thanksgiving, but you only need certain ones to create that meal. And so there wasn't truly a combo of those things. And that's where that junk drawer CV comes in. So the junk drawer CV is something where you're putting in everything. You're just throwing on some things. Um, You have that, you know, CV aspect of it where it's the big list. It's the the full academic list of what you're working on. But then also there's some things that are going to be pointing to some insights that you have because you're throwing on everything. So maybe you put in that, project that you worked on and it didn't lead to a great result, but you um, you figured out that because of the failure of that particular project, you're going to lead to this other one and you're going to pursue that one. Or maybe that project turned into the paper, which you're going to eventually put on the resume or the CV. But there's a lot of things that happened in that that you want to record and kind of remember Um, maybe you used an instrument or a technique that you're not going to eventually use later, or you're not going to use that technique to apply for a job, but you want to remember that you use that. Or, um, you know, perhaps there was, there were some things that you used when um, I used Quark Express, a design software, long ago, and um, I have that in my my junk drawer CV. I remember that I used Quark, and it's fun to know that. Well, now I used InDesign, and before that, I used you know Quark, and I'm I'm remembering some some of those techniques because even knowing that you you went from one design project or design type to another design type is showing that you can adapt and change in that way. So lots of different things you can put into that junk drawer CV. Um, You can put in those um, people that you mentored that you forgot about maybe in that first year, um, an undergrad that you worked particularly well with and taught them how to write a good protocol or um, how to correctly cite a paper. Those are some great skills to teach. And sometimes it feels like you would lose that otherwise. I've read recently, truly, that the brain is not meant for storage, and you can't keep all that in that wonderful big brain of yours. And so, being able to put it somewhere else, down on a list of sorts, um, that, that's that's really important. And you you really need a place to not forget those projects and details that really show you and point to this evolving career path and the years that you are progressing along in your, in your career. Um, this, in my opinion, would be such a great, um, I, I want to, you know, I want to be able to point to one of my podcasts, like alumni interviews and say, this document would have been great to help me with the, looking back in the rear view, because it's, it truly is a great way to just stash everything in there, and much like your junk drawer, right? Christina, you, what do you have in your junk drawer? Anything fun?
0: Oh, <laughs> it's got so much that it's the kind of thing where you're just like, I don't know what's in here.
1: <laughs> so, right, some of the things that I listed in my junk drawer, because, you know, who doesn't have one, is you know, the, the pins that don't quite work or um, the pencils that are already sharpened and you're just can grab it. Posted it notes. Um, my son has a dismantled action figure that I was supposed to fix that I haven't, haven't fixed yet. It's still in that junk drawer. Um, there's some chopsticks in there. There's some matches. I mean, there's lots of fun things, but it's, it's all there. And I know right where to go. And it also includes my very sharp scissors that I need for just about anything in the kitchen. So your junk drawer has all those useful things, but also some fun things in there too. And so hopefully being able to look at a document like that, that contains both useful and fun things, you're able to gather some insight that you're looking for.
0: I will say about having an overstuffed uh, junk drawer <laughs> is when I find things that, oh, here it is. <laughs> and it's just this delight. Exactly. Oh, yeah. you're so
1: excited. Yep. Absolutely. Um,
0: and it it seems like the junk drawer CV does that for people as well, to realize they had a skill or they had an experience that they didn't remember. Like you said, right. the brain doesn't want to um, hold on to our biography in intense detail. It's uh, draining to um, hold that much data, um, particularly when our brain has decided we're not using it for anything. Right. Um, One of the things the junk drawer CV includes uh, is volunteer work or things we did completely outside of school. And that was one thing that I found really fascinating about this, because often uh, grad students and PhDs in particular have spent so much time at school (laughs) that they see their life sort of compartmentalized. Um, and blending in life outside of school and the skills and values that we have from that into a job application or a resume is not intuitive to us anymore right
1: right it's it's a space where you can figure things out you, you see it very clearly on that document you see that there's some things that you've done you don't know what to do with it um, but it's there it's that volunteer work that was particularly compelling um, and you don't we don't want to lose that. Um, well, I had a, a student and this is something I mentioned in the article, but I had a student who um, has been working towards his PhD um, and just a deer. And I am trying to sort of help him with the next step. And he's like, you know, I really have this um, section of time. I think it was between sometime in late 2020 or maybe it was 2021 right in there. And he says, you know, it's it's kind of a kind of blank it's like well i was like well let's talk about that let's, let's figure that out like what what do you think was happening there he goes ah he's like that's when a hurricane had come through come through our region and i was trying you know i was doing a lot of work by coming home on the weekends you know we look you know vanderbilt's in nashville and he was going down to louisiana to work through this hurricane um uh clean up and um, getting his family back into the place that they needed to be. And he was spending a lot of his time doing that. And so he had truly forgotten about such a big component of his personal life that he wasn't necessarily thinking about how this was um, not necessarily interfering with his productivity, but why it wasn't reflected in what he was putting together on his document. Um, I know that he is, you know, that was such an indication to me seeing that um, experience as something that he would want to um, make sure the job that he does next, which, you know, we're working on together, is going to be something that feels as though it has the meaning that he wants to provide. And so he's looking at, you know, working in a, a, a children's research um, space because of the way that it indicated how he um was so um, deeply empathetic and how that is important to him and how that's important to his next job. And so those were the things that we uncovered together because he didn't have it anywhere. He didn't have it in his CV and he didn't have it in his resume, of course, but that was something that was extremely important to him and would have been instead in his junk drawer rather than anywhere else.
0: I've seen on social media scholars talking about how they wish there was um an alternate CV that they could keep where they could include things like time away for family concerns or grants that they wrote for that they didn't
1: get. Right.
0: Because the outcome that um, we may expect as scholars um, isn't what we always get and what we might have been told to Uh, emphasize the value towards our career may actually come from a different place. Like the value that we, that we had as a person from caregiving, right? where the things that we learned from writing grants, whether or not they won money.
1: Right. Right.
0: How would we frame those
1: kinds of things? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I've heard the term as well, um, failure CV, and I'm not wild about that because it feels like um, a sort of negative document. And that, that would be unfair to, uh, the way that you've you have done your training as as well as sort of your career, because there's so many things that you learn from that can then bring success, um, or or perhaps it showed things that um, you could just figure things out by seeing the way that you have put things down. So you know, the when it comes to the structure of it. Uh, just like your, your junk drawer probably looks different than mine. And, you know, I would, I would say, however, it would make most sense to you. I think chronologically, there are some ways to sort of capture the, not just the accomplishments that you're working on, but the everyday, right? Like, um, there's some things that could happen specifically in a certain period of time of year, and you want to capture those, um, for example, I coach basketball. I love it very much, and so, but I only coach basketball from November through February, and th- that's a that's a weird sort of period. So you want to be able to reflect certain things that happen chronologically. On the other hand, there's projects that flow all the time, or maybe you pick up a project and work on it a little bit, or you you try to figure some things out, and it leads to something else. So I guess you know you would be able to put that down in a way that reflects some of the effort that you put into it. Um, but I also think there should be a definitely a section, like you were saying, of people that you mentored. Um, it, not only because you want to know the insight about yourself, but a, a different piece of this is, you know, when you move along in your career, uh, you're going to have letters of recommendation to write, and so having those um, sort of memory joggers of the people that you worked with and what they did for you and perhaps um, what they discovered or what they were um, struggling with, or even some things that they kind of figured out that maybe weren't, oh goodness, they weren't revolutionary, but it was something that was instrumental to them or something that you loved connecting with them on. Those are the notes that you need to take about that person. Um, Because the letters of recommendation are going to come along and you're going to have to think of something that you want to say wonderfully about them. And I think those will be the reminders and triggers that you have for the people that you were working with at the time. Um, But oh, yeah, I mean, that that junk drawer CV, it can look just about however, you know, it looks and probably like your junk drawer. uh, uh, My junk drawer has these sections of boxes that I put certain, I'm supposed to put certain things in the boxes (laughs) and, and all the time, you know, sometimes they end up in those boxes and sometimes they end up in the very back of the drawer. So, you know, it's, it's your document. It's not something you would necessarily show anyone and it's not something you would bring to a job, but it would be something that you kind of have and you know, and you can use it and throw things in there if you need it or retrieve things in there if you need it. Um, and so it's a, it's a space just for you.
2: slash NBN50 to get 50% off.
0: In the article, you say, during your training, you may feel as though you are flailing about with no subset of activities that is showing any trends at all. But it may take time to see where pursuits are more relevant and what is collected as you move along. And you title that section of the article, Journaling for a Purpose. Do you encourage
1: people to journal? And if so, how is that helping them? Oh, that's a good question. I don't encourage people to journal, but I wish I did. Um, I I do think journaling has a wonderful um, space for figuring out career exploration. That's a big part of what I do in the role is helping people see what they actually are interested in. Uh, And I encourage people to have a specific notebook just for those career, um, career thoughts or career pursuits. Junk drawer CV would be a great place for it too um but i do um i do think that tracking the thought process within that is extremely important as you figure out what you want to do next um just like your brain isn't meant to store you know all the projects or the grants or you know the things that you wrote or accomplished it's also not always there to help you um best categorize and um, c- craft that, you know, be the, the craftful way of um, figuring out what you want to do. And sometimes that's so hard to, you know that's, honestly, that's why our career offices exist is because it, we're here to sort of talk through with someone, okay, let let's think through this. What do you think about this sector? What do you think about this um, career pursuit? you know, what are some of your strengths in that? What are some of your values within that? What are some of your interests within that? And so being able to have that inventory already there in that document, thinking through some of those things that you haven't necessarily had to dredge up from the bottom of your mind, and you've had that, you've been journaling that for a while or adding that into the junk drawer for a while, it'd be really um, helpful for you to make that pursuit. And I know sometimes jumping into the uh, next career, or pursuing a, f- a career field that you're not as familiar with if you're able to show that evidence or that background that you um, have a context of interest in that i think that's a that's a pretty um confidence boosting encouragement that you need to pursue it uh, it's hard to move out of academia if you want to or it's um, hard to think of something else so i think sometimes it's really nice to show the journaling, the tracking, the archiving that you're making within, um, within your document or within your drawer so that you're, you're able to pull it out when you need to. Um, right. Like you don't use the junk drawer all the time. You use it when you need it. And sometimes it's a lot, uh, sometimes it's, it's not at all. And so it's nice to be able to have it there when you need it. And it sounds like,
0: By including the notebook, the places for reflection, uh, the junk drawer CV, that, that journaling has a very broad definition. Uh, And I love that as someone who teaches journaling. I think it does have a very broad definition. And I think um, there's so much flexibility in the form and in the purpose that for listeners who think, I don't want to sit down and write Dear Diary and pour my guts out onto a page. That's one (laughs) narrow form of journaling. What Kate has described is another form of journaling. And much of the history of journaling is about uh, a record that can be used. Um, My background is in uh, farm women's uh, diaries. And those were records. Those were very useful records of the weather and what happened that day. And they could flip back through it. And in those three sentences they wrote a day over the course of the year, they can figure out births, deaths, money spent, health, all the things that related to uh, the outcome on their farm that year. Right. That one might not assume because they might think it's more what was happening outdoors in the field, but all of that was related to the people.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and what they were, what they were observing, what they saw, what they felt. I mean, that was that's that's a very cool project.
0: Yeah, um, and so we take this broad view of what journaling is and how journaling serves us. The notebook that you described. Uh, to help people track what they've done while they were in school, what they did outside of school, what happened in their personal life that maybe changed their timeline. Um, All of that when they bring it into the career development office to ask for advice, all of that is useful. And I think so much of that we hold back and think, well, no, they just want to know awards won, fellowships earned, um, courses taken. And it sounds like in order to truly move forward on your career path, um, we need to really look at the whole
1: person. Absolutely. And, and so many ways, um, and you see this also in interviewing as well. And this is the other piece that I will encourage them is this this journaling, this documentation of sort of keeping track of everything is going to be extremely helpful for the interview. Um, we see nowadays that the the interview is more behavioral-based, which means a lot of times the questions will be, tell me about a time when XYZ. Um, I will tell students or postdocs, you know, have five or six experiences that you can point to to say, this is what happened. This is what I thought was going to happen. This is what did not happen. <laughs> this is how I fixed it. This was the adversity that I overcame. And these were the steps that I took to fix it. And this was the result. And that's an often, often uh, used uh, uh, exercise to prepare you for those interviews that are just can be really tough. Um, we have an alum who um, I just is, is such a uh, proponent for graduate education and just loves helping trainees as much as he can. And one of the things that was really insightful to me, because he works at a larger pharmaceutical company, was he said, In the phone interview, you know, those phone interviews that you have and you think it's just with like HR to talk about health insurance or the retirement plan. But as it turns out, it ends up being like the the hiring manager. He said, so in those phone calls, those initial screening phone calls, I ask, tell me about a time when something that you were working on completely failed and you had to figure out how to change plans. How did you restructure uh, your plan? How did you work through this? Um, give me those steps. That's in the phone screen. That's the, that's the, the time where you think it's not going to be as scary. And then that's one of the higher, um, the higher level questions you get immediately. And you have to be ready sometimes to really show that you have been thoughtful about the way that you, um, you take those steps and that, that failure is going to occur and that you are going to mess up and you're not going to be derailed by that. You're going to show that you, you have been able to work through adversity and, and you have been able to be successful. Um, and, and you approach things now with a more humbler, uh, outlook and with, you know, more humility and professionalism that you thought were, were not even there. And so sometimes showing those, um, behavioral uh, responses are extremely helpful for the hiring manager to know what kind of, what kind of employee you will be. Those are going to come along a lot. And that drunk tour CV is going to show you all kinds of, you know, mess ups or projects that were started, or maybe trends and things that you uh, didn't know you had. And so, uh, you know, having those five to six examples is just super helpful to make you feel prepared for, for the interview.
0: And it's helpful for listeners to know that that could happen because that can put you in a real moment of vulnerability. And often, you know, the way we got moved along the path was to write the application correctly and get the grades that were needed and uh, take the class that was needed at the right time. And we moved along because we were able to successfully navigate and the problems that we had, we kept quiet and we went forward and always made ourselves look like someone who could do stuff. Um, And that can sometimes give PhDs a reputation for being very arrogant. uh, And, and I'm not going to say none of us are. Um, It also can be an adaptive skill to survive to keep the adversity hidden, the problems hidden. Uh, Also, if you had a supervisor who did not want to hear your problems or hear what was going wrong, who would say, come to me when this is solved, come to me with the solution, or I don't care what's going on, what I need is X delivered to me by this state. (laughs) Um, and so to find out in an interview, they would like to know about something that went very wrong. It may be the first time someone's telling that. Oh yeah. Is that something to practice ahead of time so that you don't end up crying in yeah. your interview?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I hope you've worked that out before then. Um I uh Right you don't you don't want to throw anyone under the bus in an interview setting. Um you you wanna come to an interview in a um And in a place where you feel confident and professional and, um, humble with a tone of humility, but, but also that you, you can work through that. So hopefully, um, you know, what they're, what I've seen, you know, with hiring managers, they want to see your perspective. They want to see, okay, so maybe you can't do this, but you know, you can't, and you know, they, they can tell, um, by how you explain things that you will work through it and you'll figure it out. That's kind of those transferable skills um, I mentioned earlier is, you know, maybe you didn't do it exactly the way that they're looking for in this, you know, in your training, but because you did, you know, X, Y, Z, or you figured out um, this project, or perhaps some program didn't work and you, you know, you figured it out, or um, you you made some efforts to to fix things, um, that's pretty transferable to the next role. And they want to just see how you think through that. A lot of this originally came about many years ago in the consulting world when they would do case interviews, which they still do. Um, you know, and those are those, some of those are absolutely crazy questions of how do you open that window over there and it's painted shut and you have to, Explain some strategies in which you would open that window. And they want to see how your brain thinks. They want to see how you have thought through every angle and reflected upon every way that that painted window that has never been opened can be opened. And so these are ways to um, see if you can think through problems and if you can work through that um, and how you do. And, you know, even through that finding out in an interview, maybe this isn't the job for me if they're asking me these things. And so it's, it's a way to sort of be prepared for the interview because you have those experiences. Um, But I hope everyone takes those interviews as a interview reverse in the way that you're talking to the company or knowing uh, maybe this isn't the job for me. And so making sure that you're able to match what they're looking for to who you are and you want to want to, be in that role.
0: Can the junk drawer CV help us figure out more about where we'd like to aim for our career?
1: Oh, I hope so. Um, I think that things that may delight you or interest you or come more easily will be more prevalent in that document. And you can talk about the things that are very interesting to you or um, that you've enjoyed listening to maybe at a seminar or you went to us, you know, we have a career day symposium event every year where all day long you hear from about 20 speakers. Hopefully you're making notes in there about, well, this speaker was super interesting. Let me do some more research on this job or let me do some more research on this city that they lived in or a you know, the university that they work for, just because that sounded so interesting to me. So hopefully by recording and tracking uh, events or programs that you attend, or even speakers, I mean, goodness, academia is filled with wonderful speakers of all different interests and topics. If you're able to record some of those and make some notes about the things that were particularly interesting to you, hopefully you see some trends in there, right? Like you want to be able to say, well, I found that interesting and I found that interesting. Maybe a career in regulatory writing is the way they I want to go. Or maybe I really do want to be um, in freelance writing. And that's an interesting component for me because I I met this person and then I did this. And so hopefully it's pointing to some of those experiences that you're tracking so that you can see the trends.
0: What are some misconceptions uh, that you could, that you, see when students come to your office some common
1: ones oh boy that's a fun one um so our office tends to help with um with a few things three three things in particular we help with career exploration which is figuring out if this you know what the next career step is for you and exploring all the careers that are possible with the phd the other is skill development so maybe you're interested in going into a patent law or being in business or running your own business, or um, maybe you want to be a science writer or communicator. There's other skills that you probably need to be best ready for that role. So we're going to help you with those things. Then third is that job readiness and the job skills where we help you write the resume and the CV and the cover letter and the interviews and all that sort of job prep. One of the biggest misconceptions that we see is well, I'm defending next month, so I need a job. And um, that's such a bummer because it feels as though there's so many um, wonderful years of PhD training that you can use to explore what you really are interested in doing. And the coolest part and that I have seen about the PhD track is it gives you the time to think through, well, this could be an option, or do I really enjoy this? And yes, you're focused on your project. And yes, you're focused on defending your dissertation or working with um, your lab for this paper or for this goal that you have. But it's such a great um, safe space to explore different things. And there's a misconception that you can get a job just quickly. Um, there's so many ways that that is really doing you a disservice. Mm-hmm to what you want to do next because if you're making that kind of decision um, with only a month left the job market's pretty tough but also that you know you you want to make sure you're making the right decision and that doesn't mean that if you make a wrong decision next that you know that, that that's not a great idea you can definitely pivot it's just you want to make sure that you're using all of the evidence that you have about your training and your experience to pursue the right um, path. And so that, that is always um, disheartening to me because it, it feels like a, a big missed opportunity to not see all the different ways that um, all the opportunities that you have to sort of explore in a safe way what could be next.
0: If people could take away one big piece of advice from the junk drawer CV and how you want people to see themselves as a whole person when considering their career, what would your advice be? <laughs>
1: um, oh my goodness. That's a great one. Specifically, um, it's okay to not clean out that junk drawer. Uh, I think sometimes people immediately eliminate things um, and don't necessarily consider a job. And I, I think there's some um, pressures that that people in P, in their PhD training may necessarily may not necessarily see or feel but they're there and knowing that they should be this immediate success rock star, amazing you know academic faculty, whatever the next role is that they have to be the rock star. And I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's sometimes where you can really clean through that junk drawer and look through what you've got in there. You don't have to clean it. You can see that there are um, just wonderful things you can pursue that make you very happy in your job um, that might not be making you millions of dollars, <laughs> truly that there are, you um, Jobs and roles and work that you can find wonderfully fulfilling to make your living, um, to fit the work and the life and the values that you have, um, and that you don't have to be this just amazing rock star. Um, I tend to, when I have this conversation with someone and I say, okay, well, tell me about the things you feel like you're good at and tell me about the things that you're very interested in, but tell me about your values You know, there's got to be some things that are really dictating the way that you want to live, whether that's you want to live in a certain area um, or location, or you want to be sure that you travel abroad in your work, or you want to um, make sure that you have enough money to support your grandparents who are getting ill. Um, There's a lot of those situations that we see where the support is important for their family life, and they haven't always been thinking through that in the PhD because, They're focused on their work, but oftentimes you miss out on those um, values questions in a CV and a resume, a traditional CV and a resume that you can't see. And I wish that um, we would be able to take more of those personal values, um, maybe some feelings of their calling or the way that they are um, drawn to certain Uh, certain work, and be able to use that to make the decisions next. Um, And I I think the junk drawer CV could show that. And I hope that people are putting in, you know, when they make those, putting in those insights into the ways that they want to, you know, take care of their family for the hurricane, or, you know, do the things that are very um, of interest to them extracurricularly, or do the traveling. And so hopefully, that's, that's the part that, that you could see in there um, that would really help you make the, the right step next.
0: Thank you so much for being here today, Kate Stewart, and showing your wisdom and helping us find another way to think about our CV by using a drunk door CV to get there. I'm Dr. Christina Gessler, and you've been listening to The Academic Life on New Books Network. I hope you will please join us again.